My talk today is something that you can actually visually see. It's from stable to our table. The stable is over there on the left, my right, your left. And the table we often use for communion is in front of you. And in these days of TV screens and laptops, our eating habits, or rather where we eat, has changed, hasn't it? Once upon a time, meals were all sitting up to table. And that was normal. Now it's the TV dinner, fast food, and takeaways. They're common, aren't they? You phone up and it's on your lap, on a tray. Or at a workstation, many of you at work don't leave for lunch as we used to in the old days. You sort of eat it and get the crumbs off the keyboard. And in Jesus' time, the tables then were set low to the floor and they were surrounded by floor cushions and people used to recline or they sat low at the table. And we don't seem to see this in the model of the Last Supper. If you go to Jerusalem and they've got all those olive um, carved things, Jesus is always sitting on chairs behind a table, isn't he? And I think that is probably departing from reality. And I just got to reflect, can I imagine you on Christmas Day there at home, reclining on the carpet, eating your gravy with your Christmas dinner and Christmas pudding and turkey? It's an interesting thought. And the nativity story, it shows a manger, doesn't it? I think we've got a little one in there. A manger, a feeding trough, a feeding trough for the, with the infant Jesus lying in it. And you know, the manger is usually shown in most of these nativity scenes as being low to the floor. Always low to the floor, and everybody is round, standing tall. The reality is that a feeding trough, particularly in biblical times, was much higher, much higher to feed a standing animal. So reflect a high manger to a low table, from the stable to the table. The table of nativity was commonly the animal's room in that first century house at the time of Jesus. You can go and see the ruins there. And there tended to be this other room. And it was used also commonly to house guests as well. You didn't have a guest bedroom. You didn't have a caravan in your garden. It was culturally normal that people came. So there may have been no room at the inn but it was quite usual, quite normal. What was not normal is that God, in his love, to send a baby, his only son, and that son lived in a place called heaven, a glorious heaven, and he comes from glorious heaven to a, wound, to a wooden feeding manger. I sometimes reflect and wonder whether Jesus, when older, as a carpenter, as he was, a master carpenter, did he make wooden mangers? I think, why not? He probably did. They would have been demand, wouldn't they? Demand from them in that agricultural country in that time. That would have been normal. And God's plan at Christmas was for us as men and women not, not to remain apart from him by our original rebellion in that Garden of Eden. And we inherit that, don't we? We had rebelled and become 
imperfect, imperfect. But God is perfect, and he cannot look at sin. He loves the sinners, but he hates the sin. Be quite clear. So how to resolve this distance, this broken relationship? A bridge was needed, a clear bridge was needed, a means to reconcile imperfect us to that loving, perfect God. God's Christmas present was Jesus. A perfect person, sinless, to grow and become the price, the price for our sin. So we are forgiven, restored with God. And if we accept personally his son Jesus as our saviour, then to receive Jesus, the present from God at Christmas, is the perfect time to do it. It's a busyness, isn't there, at Christmas, but there's also an opportunity to just pause and receive the present. Other presents you receive, I'm sure you'll have no difficulty in getting the scissors, the knife out, and if you're kids and so on, ripping it apart. You open the present. Yes, kids? Well, how early in the morning do you reckon that's going to be? Seven o'clock. Poor mum and dad. I know that feeling, having four sons. The patter of tiny things, the rustle of paper, but the presents being opened, and God's present to us of Jesus needs to be received, it needs to be opened. And the problem is, you see, he won't force his way in. We have a heart that has to open. We have to choose. We have free will. You're sitting in a free church. Didn't have to come. You could have stayed at home having one of those takeaways, couldn't you? You see the point. There is a choice. And Christmas is about that. The present to be received. To receive Jesus at this time, the perfect time. And when we do that, you see, we don't only sit at home at our Christmas dinner. We, when we know Jesus and receive him in our heart, we can sit at God's table whenever we move on to heaven. We're all going to do that one day. Some point, we don't stay here. We go somewhere. If we know Jesus, then we move to God's table. God's table in heaven. From the stable to the table. It's said in scripture that he, Jesus, is preparing the table for us now. And I sometimes wonder, I sometimes think, is it just possible that Jesus, the carpenter, is making that table in heaven? A heavenly carpenter who made a place, originally a manger for us to rest in maybe to recline, forgiven, whole and restored, a table crafted and held together by, no, not super glue, not those wonderful glues, not glue tight, a table held together by love. No nails, no nails, just love. That love led to the cross at Calvary with its nails. It's good to know the start of Jesus' life by the nativity. It's good to know that. But it's important, so important, to know the end story. And it's best to know the reason why we can have a happy Christmas with Christ, this Christmas. Sorry, Christmas. With Christ, this Christmas. 
And I just say a happy Christmas to each and every one of you, from Jenny and I and our family. And may you have a blessed new year.